As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome into Onto Waveland. I'm Sahadev Sharma with Patrick Mooney. Brett Taylor is off. We have a rotating cast. No more than two hosts per show, apparently, at the moment. Uh, everyone, we all deserve vacation, right? It's it's around that time where where school's ending for our kids, so we're we're hauling them to different parts of the country or or enjoying the <laughs> something. Hopefully, hopefully we're enjoying something and not making ourselves miserable. Uh, but but that who who can say right, Patrick? Yeah, uh, we we've, we've we've earned a little bit of a break here and there. We'll be will be our summer hours for onto Waveland. <laughs> summer hours, aren't we supposed to be on? It's we, that that's when we're supposed to be busiest. Come on, Patrick. We can't yeah, take I guess time we got this, the same hours, just you know less uh, three third wheel uh, Th- three man booths. Exactly. Yeah. Uh. Well, I mean. We we're we're heading towards a weekend where the Cubs play the Cardinals once again. Uh, I think this is their first trip to St. Louis this year, right, Patrick? Uh, it's a you know they're we're we're waiting on Game Four of the Pirates series as we as we record this, but uh, you know it's it's been a lot of what we've seen from the Cubs so far this season, right? Some some flashes of ooh that that's fun for the future and some. Oh dear, this is rough, and I'm not sure I I can consume much more of this product anymore. Right, uh, uh, the up and down nature of Caleb Killian's start to his career, the the uh, just the general. I I'm struck by it, like Keegan Thompson's last four starts. I think is a perfect distillation of of what we what we talk about when we when we talk about uh, player development isn't linear, uh, but there's. Uh, there's something to be said for what the Cardinals do. Uh, the way they put out this uh, this product that every seemingly every year an eighty something win team isn't good enough, right? When there are years that that they are, you know, only a few games over five hundred, and fans are frustrated because they came in third place or even second place and not not uh, winning a wild card. 
how is it that that team is like that spending what not not nearly as much as the Cubs are capable of and they I, I looked this up one year under 500 since uh since 2000 one year where they're not at least third place since 2000 and I mean if you could go even further back and and the numbers uh, numbers like that uh stand out it's not just a, the last 20 years it's it's been a really long time of year in and year out this isn't the Yankees or the Dodgers or even the Red Sox this is a very different organization that the Cubs should be able to compete with I think Jed has been doing the radio rounds and that's one of the things he kind of said he said when we were in Boston we were pushed by the Yankees that can be good at the beginning of the the rebuild in Chicago, they were pushed by the Cardinals, and I I just think it's I think it's a fair question for fans to wonder why why can't the Cubs be like that? Why do they have to go through years like this in order to have winning? Yeah, Sadiv, I thought you put it well uh, in our various mailbag pieces this week, alluding to the idea of like, look, the Cubs had to reset you know i don't think anyone was like clamoring for them to run it back yet again but 2023 can't be like this again like that's just unacceptable just another season just like done before memorial day and like these uh just sloppy losses just these blowout losses and position players pitching and things of that nature. And the weird thing is like the Cardinals, I I feel like they rarely like win the off season. Like people are like, Oh my, like this is the year with the Cardinals. You know, when Matheny was there and when Hayward chose the Cubs over the Cardinals and then, you know, when the Cardinal, when the Cardinals lost at Wrigley field in that playoff series, you never felt like, Oh, like the St. Louis was the place to be or anything like that. I think Giancarlo Stanton was not, particularly enamored with the idea of playing in St. Louis. And even last year, I mean, there's clearly dysfunction in that place when Mike Schilt <laughs> leads the team on a 17-game winning streak and gets fired over, like, I think it was a Zoom where he thought he was going to get extended. Like, <laughs> they're not perfect by any means, but they, like, figure yeah. it out year after year after year, and it's endlessly frustrating for Cubs fans who are just like, Dude, where's that at Wrigley Field? Why can't there be something uh, approximating that? Yeah, they they do a really good job with player development and and amateur draft. Uh, and and you know what? They don't get as far as I know. I, I they're not this new school forward thinking pitch lab uh, operation, right? They they don't have all these new school coaches in player development. Uh, but whatever they're doing really seems to work. If they do have that, it's not publicized. It's not the type of thing that's trumpeted, right? They they're not they're not like the Cubs. They're not like the the Astros or the Dodgers really talking about all this uh, this newfangled technology that they're using to maximize their talent. They do have a remarkable ability to. Uh, get value later in rounds. I mean, Tommy Edmond, by some measures, is the most valuable player in baseball right now. That's crazy. That That's crazy to me. I remember when I was lauding them for that pick, and I got a lot of pushback. When I say lauding them for that pick, when he first came up, he was tearing it up, right? And I said, that's a great draft steal. Like, just just another representation of, of the Cardinals plucking someone. I think he was 
I'm, I'm mixing him up. He may have been fifth or seventh round, whatever it was. It was, you know, it was one of those later rounds where you're, you're not supposed to get this type of talent, but you do when, when every once in a while you can find it. And the Cardinals are remarkable at doing that. But I, I got some pushback from people saying, well, this won't last type of thing. And yeah, a lot of times it doesn't. And, and I couldn't, I, I, there was no way to say, oh, it definitely will. But he looks, he looked good. He, he looked like, the type of guy that puts the ball in play could field his position, and now it's now it's he's taking it to another level. I don't think he's the most valuable player in baseball, but I believe Baseball Reference had him at that. And when when you play a good shortstop, the defensive metrics if the defensive metrics like you at shortstop, that's going to push your value up according to WAR, right? So there there's him. I mean, they call up a guy in Brendan Donovan because they're dealing with injuries, and this guy. I, I mean, just watching him against the Cubs, I was like, what is going on here? This guy comes up every single time with men on base and drives them in. Another guy that just puts the ball in play, hits it hard, seems to play quality defense, and that's a guy drafted in the later rounds. I mean, when you have players like that, when you are – you mentioned the Giancarlo Stanton issue. They they couldn't pull off that deal, but they're – they're in those deals, right? I mean, they're involved and they, they look for those moments and they and they jump and and they did it with Goldschmidt and they did it with Arenado. Uh, you, they didn't have to give up a ton of value in either of those deals and they got impact players to man the corner infield spots. Uh, they're under the radar moves. They're not perfect. They, they traded, someone pointed out, uh, I mentioned Alcantara, being traded for Marcelo Suna. I think Zach Gallen was involved in that deal. That's what someone on Twitter mentioned as well. I didn't double check that, but I'm pretty sure Gallen was traded at some point by the Cardinals to Miami and then Miami acquired Jazz Chisholm for Gallen. But those are two impact starters that they gave up. But it just goes to show, look at the depth that they have as they, they're still competing for a division title after trading two really good starters away. I mean, they they continually make smart trades. You're not going to be a perfect team. You mentioned all the flaws that we've seen, all the imperfections, uh, even dysfunction, if you want to call it at times. But but they're near the top of the division year in and year out, and the Cubs are striving for that. I think we are seeing little droplets of that starting to trickle into the major leagues. I think, you know, I mentioned Keegan Thompson. We'll see what Justin Steele does. Uh like those are the little things that give you signs that okay, you build that type of depth. You you have these guys available. Those aren't the guys that you just have to assume you ride with at all times, right? You don't you don't want to go into twenty twenty three saying it's it's Keegan Thompson, Justin Steele at the top of the rotation or bust, right? It'd be great if both of them step up over the final months and say, yeah, we have to give them rotation spots. But what would be even better is if they if they look really promising and the Cubs go out and add two starters, uh, and they have and they have those two starters, Stroman, Hendricks, if he can kind of find some sort of semblance of what what we know he can be, and then you have Thompson and Steele as depth and Killian as depth, and and they're battling it out in spring training, and and yeah, it, it would it would be frustrating for one of those guys if they aren't in the rotation to start twenty twenty three. But also, you need a ton of depth. Look at what's happening right now. I mean, it's good that Thompson and Steele are getting opportunities, but the reason the Cubs are getting pounded over and over again, why why that run differential went from, oh, maybe they're not so bad, to, 
oh yeah, this is a bad team because they don't have the depth to overcome the injuries. This There's this balance where I don't want to pile on them because we don't know what Seiya Suzuki is yet. We don't know what Nick Madrigal is yet. I'd much rather be watching them fail with those guys playing to at least get an idea of what we're working with for the future so we can at least really break down the future a little bit more accurately uh, than what we're seeing right now is they just get pummeled with guys that either aren't ready or aren't going to, you know, are like 30, 32, whatever year old guys that just aren't the impact talent that you need to build a, a winning club. So we reached out to our readers this week, you know, with a mailbag one to get a sense of what they were thinking, because that always helps us formulate our coverage plans uh, and how we frame questions or how we line up interviews. And I thought, you know, what we published on Thursday morning was, you know, a couple of ideas that really popped up over and over again, one being the draft and the other being, you know, kind of free agent targets. So I was wondering, Sahade, since the Cardinals draft so well, and they always seem almost always draft behind the Cubs, it's not like they're getting top 10 picks who what names uh, are you hearing for the Cubs with their pick at seven this year? Yeah, seven. So it's interesting. I, I've, I've been I just started kind of reaching out to people. Uh, but one of the earliest names and this is the name that everyone is hearing now. But this was this was well before the draft. Uh, I mean, before people were talking about the draft well before uh you know, only the early mocks were coming out, those super early mocks. And it, Cam Collier was a name I heard very early on. And it, he wasn't really, he hadn't solidified himself as like a top 15, top 20 pick at the time. So I was like, huh, may, okay, I, I appreciate the info, but I'm not sure if he's if he's valued at seven just yet. But obviously he's taken off Juco, uh I believe he moved to Atlanta or or Georgia area uh, somewhere in Georgia, and he uh, wrapped up high school early and went to Chipola Community or Chipola Junior College, uh, which is a great junior college for baseball. And he's draft eligible now, seventeen, playing in the Cape Cod League. Uh, that's that's impressive on its own, just to be able to perform in the Cape Cod League. He has. The latest stats I saw were like four hits, 12 at bats, four walks. That's that's fine, you know, but if he if he tears it up there, he may not be available for the Cubs to pick. There's a few guys like that who kind of I mean, Collier is probably the most likely to be available at seven. Uh, but Kevin Parada, I kept hearing uh, as a guy that could possibly fall catcher Georgia Tech that the Cubs would pounce on Tamar Johnson as well. Uh, Atlanta area. uh infielder i believe uh who had a who was whose name is still being bandied about as the top pick and i'm not sure i think the the orioles are picking first right and they're they're a team that typically likes to go uh, like save a little bit of money and then spend that uh on their second round pick or whatever make sure that they they save money for multiple picks it it can be a hit or miss process you don't I, i don't always love to see that i i'd rather just see a team just go for that top talent and it seems like drew jones is is pretty much uh roundly considered that top talent but so those are three names i kept hearing and believe it's brooks lee 
is another one that if he falls. So those four names are the ones that if they fall, if they're there at seven, the Cubs would be very happy. So I think, and I think it's kind of falling that way that one of those four should be there. There are some other names. I Right now, I, I don't know if it's valuable to discuss them as much, but those are the four names that when I reached out to people over the past week, uh, kept coming up as like, one of these guys should be here and and the Cubs will would love it. And Cam Collier was the name that just kept coming back. I mean, he's young. He uh he can hit for average. He can uh he can field his position. He takes his walks. He's super athletic. His father was uh was a major league baseball player, so you gotta love the bloodlines there. I think his father also has worked with a lot of Chicago area uh, players. I, I believe he was a yeah, he was a mentor for Ed Howard and some other people. So, uh, I mean, that's just extra information that shouldn't impact the reason why he's selected. I think this guy, especially if he keeps hitting in the Cape Cod League, it could be really exciting uh, selection if, if he falls to seven. Yeah, I mean, you saw Dan Cantrovis' group did that last year with James Chiantos, who had reclassified into the 2021 class, graduated high school, early thought he's going to be going to uh chapel hill to play for the tar heels and he just kind of went off and i think those projection models you referenced uh in our mailbag uh will look very favorably upon a 17 year old you know hitting in the cape cod league which is kind of absurd like when when you read put that in our google doc i was like really okay so yeah he may not be there it's so funny (laughs) you you reference the models. Everyone brings that up. The, the models love young guys. They just love them. That's why, I mean, uh, I think someone like Kantrovitz would push back on that a little bit and saying this is this will go beyond models. And I, he's right. You know, the, the kid's just talented, right? The kid's a good baseball player. But, I mean, if he's 17 and hitting in the Cape Cod League, the model's going to love him, and that's going to make you feel all the more confident uh, if the data says it, if the R and D area says it, and the scouts are liking him, I mean that that's the type of pick you, you should you should be happy about. I'm curious what those models are saying about Aaron Judge because I do not understand <laughs> this at all. I don't think a guy who weighs almost 300 pounds and is six foot seven and in his 30s is going to light up the Ivy system. That is my, uh, you know informed opinion more than like hard reporting but uh yeah I I think Aaron Judge is a fantastic talent he's a big star in New York but the Cubs don't play in New York and you know he's marketable for a baseball player but he's not what you know Bryce Harper was a a couple years ago and the Cubs know they're going to sell a lot of tickets whether they're good or bad that's what history tells us over and over and over again and that if they were that concerned about bringing in a star I think they would have sign Anthony Rizzo or maybe Wilson Contreras would not have been in this like obviously traded uh, state of limbo here. So uh, I thought that was another good topic that our readers had brought to us of like, okay, who are your optimistic free agent targets and who are the realistic free agent targets? Right. Well, uh, I had fun in New York as, as, uh, as our buddy Gordon Whitmire chased down Aaron judge uh, and asked him on David Kaplan's behalf if he's if he's coming to Chicago, and then I think he he made sure to 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 let him know that he'd have free pizza, free Lou Malnati's for life if he came to Chicago. So uh, judge judge seemed to enjoy. 
that's uh, that's what's going to tip the scales the the Lou Malnati's for life. <laughs> I mean, it, like just realistically, let's let's not let's not talk about the Cubs uh you know, making the biggest free agent splash, right? Like outbidding everyone. Just beyond that, like he's he's thirty. He's big bodied outfielder that has a history, uh, some history of injuries. I don't want to take away from his talents and how impressive he's been this year. But when you talk about free agent investments, why? Like everything that Jed says. Like, just listen to the way he talks about how he wants to attack free agency. I know some people don't fully get what he means by it, but he's always talking about spending wisely. He wants to be aggressive, but smart, right? He talks about being aggressive, but smart. That's what he did last winter. I think he's going to be similarly treat. He's going to similarly treat free agency this winter, maybe a little bit more aggressive. We'll see how things play out. I, I really believe that how these months play out factors into things they want to see some some things before they really commit to how they're going to treat this offseason but I'd be very surprised if they don't spend any money if they just like kind of sit it out and there's no name free agent uh and when I say name I mean they had they added two names right they added Marcus Stroman and Seiya Suzuki if they can do that again and just continue to stack classes that should be that that would make sense to me but I mean judge post 30 I know he's playing center field, but this guy's not going to be playing center field for the Cubs. I mean, he's a corner outfielder or DH. Uh, It just doesn't make sense to go to $300 million. When I say it doesn't make sense, the Cubs have a budget, right? I get it. Spend as much as you can. Spend the money. But is that where they're going to spend their money? I think it makes more sense to go for one of those shortstops and add pitching. Uh, that's, That's just what makes sense to me. I don't know if they'll definitely get one of those shortstops. I know there's been reports of, right? You you see those little lines in a in a in a piece that says the Cubs will 100% get one of these shortstops. It's really hard to suggest that anything's 100% in free agency, but I think it makes all the sense in the world. I know Nico Horner looks good there, but it, <laughs> if you can get Carlos Correa or Trey Turner. Or even Xander Bogarts. Uh, I like I like Bogarts' bat. I don't know if I love his defense as short. That's fine. I, I mean, you take the you take the big bat. This team needs. I I look at this offense and I and I see the pieces of something that can be respectable if you add some big bats to it. Obviously, losing Wilson Wilson Contreras complicates that that comment quite a bit. But just as it stands now, if they added one more big bat, I think suddenly you're talking about a different offense. Now you remove Wilson Contreras, it's two more big bats. But I, I need to see what they do at the trade deadline with Wilson, what they get back. But I think that's the route. I think it's shortstop, starting pitching, depth, depth, depth uh, with that pitching and and go from there. Uh, and then and then you look at the next free agent class. And then you look at trades because that's something that we never talk about much like they can and should start looking to make some shrewd trades like jed talks about it it he wants to be the guy that that moves a guy too early not too late so that could be that could mean high a right it's sometimes too late is when they hit triple a and they can't hit anymore right so it, it shouldn't we shouldn't just take that comment as uh a guy like um Albert Almora or Chris Bryant it's it's it should be taken as more than than just major league players 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who's still uh, with the club uh, on August 2nd, August 3rd. I think we're both kind of assuming, you know, Stroman's probably not going to get traded if he's hurt and has like a five ERA. Similar Hendricks, his underperformance probably makes it less likely that you just move him, I think. But if he strings together a couple good starts and someone makes a good offer, I, I would not be surprised that if Jed kind of uh, would be very open-minded to that or if he feels like he has to do something because some of those other injured guys aren't, you know, coming along at that point uh, to salvage some of those expiring contracts. So uh, you wrote this. It's kind of what Jed had said of like uh, putting these, uh, uh, setting these free agent plans in stone is kind of hard when if you're going to take this whole year to figure out what you have, there still is, you know, there's not enough time for the Cubs to turn around their season, but there is a lot of time for these individual players to put together a body of work that could influence how they think about these things. But I'm with you, I think. You got four shortstops who were on recent World Series winning teams when you throw in Swanson. There's several interesting starting pitchers that, you know, uh, even just in terms of an eye test, like they look like major league starting pitchers, guys who are like, you know, 6'5", 200, you know, that John Lackey, John Lester walking through the door, a guy who can make 30 starts and has that hazard. I just think they need those anchors and that will give them, will buy them some time and give them a little more latitude to figure things out. Because uh, like you said, these games just getting out of hand in the season, just going off the rails before kids are out of school. I mean, you can't have another year like that. I mean, if they think if they're feeling the heat now, it's going to be really bad if, if they're in a similar spot at this time next year. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I, I think some of the pitchers you named were were spot on. Jameson Tyon, Joe Musgrove, uh, Chris Bassett, Sean Manea. I mean, one of those guys is probably going to be like maybe Musgrove. If he stays like this, he probably gets like a five five year deal, right? But none of these guys are like seven year deal type things, right? Not, nobody's going to get like I don't think pitchers even I don't even know like it's like Garrett Cole type guys that get that now. I don't even like you don't see that very much. They're, they're probably not going to be in on Jacob deGrom if he opts out. It's it, not saying that they shouldn't be, but I'm just saying they probably won't be. 
so one of those guys, those pitchers that I just named, is going to make sense. One of those guys probably takes a three or four year deal. The Cubs are pro- as long as there's no draft pick involved in that, and even then, maybe it's time to start, you know, sacrificing a second round draft pick to get some anchors in your rotation, so you don't have these long stretches where you're losing ten games in a row because you have a guy that's turned himself into this guy's pitching today. We're winning the game, right? And and the cascading effect that you mentioned, it's not just it's not just about it's about the confidence, right? That the team has. They can go out there, and the offense doesn't feel like they have to score four or five runs. It it helps the bullpen. It's so important. It just changes the entire team and and the feeling around the team. And and we saw it in 2020. It was a shortened season, right? But when you you have two dominant starters like the way Hendricks and Darvish were pitching, suddenly you felt a lot better about the team and what they could do uh just one random note since we're talking about trade deadline and what the team could do i just looked at ian Happ's numbers last night after the game and he's been awesome not okay not this is a good season i mean there are very few players with his numbers right now that with his offensive numbers uh, the fact that he's playing a, a good left field now i I could go either way on this, and, and I wonder, and we can explore this later on, uh, but I, I just want to put it out there. What makes sense? Move him at the deadline at what at this what could be peak value, or start thinking about does Ian Happ deserve an extension because he's finally figured it out, and this is who he's going to be for the next five years. I think that's a huge thing that the Cubs need to figure out because they can't keep – Rizzo said it in New York, you know, there was a moment where they knew like, this is the last deadline that we're selling. And it felt right in 2014. It felt like, okay, now we're, we're going, we're going in, we're going to do this. And then the next winter they spent and it was years and years of winning. Right. So you don't, I just feel like you need to settle the Ian Happ situation soon. And I'm not saying they should trade him. I don't know. Maybe if you're bowled over, because like I said, those numbers, I after last night's game, he has I, I, I knew he's playing well, but now he's like one of the top 30 offensive players in the game. Uh, he hits for average. He takes his walks. Now he's starting to hit for power. I say I think it makes sense to extend him. I don't know what the Cubs are going to do. I don't know how willing he wants to be, how willing he is on that. It, those are that's something we can we can talk to him about. But I it just stood out to me last night. Suddenly I realized how good he is. It's not just like okay he's he's fine. I knew he was having a good season. I didn't realize it was it had gotten to this point. But he's hot right now and he's taking it to another level. It's two and a half months of baseball, which is. Which for him to be that consistent, I think says something. So maybe he's turning a corner and maybe this is a discussion that we need to start having at some point. Yeah. And you tack on those final two months of last season, which were right. um, very, very good. Albeit in kind of the garbage time section of the season. But I do think there's something to the fact that he's at that age where he should be figuring out. He is a top 10 uh, draft pick type of talent. Uh, we all know he's an interesting, thoughtful guy who's represented the team uh, very well over the years. I mean, it's not out of the question that things are kind of falling into place for him and he's getting the opportunity that 
he probably thought he deserved, you know, from the moment uh, he was drafted. He's always been supremely confident. I think there's something right. to that. There's something to the fact that he knows what the Cubs should be and can be. Um, he was he was there for it. And um, I do think you bring up some interesting points, too, of, you know, he was involved in those CB, CBA negotiations. He has a very... Uh, sophisticated understanding of the business side uh, of baseball. So I think that's something uh, we should talk to him about uh, fairly soon here, maybe this weekend in St. Louis. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's a, I mean, it's just an interesting case and and I, I don't want to say it'll show what direction the Cubs are headed because I, I think that's putting it, that's going too far with it. You can, depending on what they do, there's ways to to maneuver in different ways, whether you trade him or not, whether you extend him or not. Uh, but he's just a fascinating case, and I think mentally he's in such a good place. And I talked to Greg Brown last weekend, and he his point was just like, this guy just puts in the work. He's like, it's not the mechanical stuff all shifted before Brown was around, right? Like that was when he went down to AAA and and put in that work. He's not tweaking mechanically. This is a mental thing and a and the work that he puts in to learn how to attack the opposition. He puts in so much work on the scouting reports and and work in the cages and 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 all that stuff that uh I think multiple times Johnny Washington and Greg Brown have mentioned to me like he's just going to put in the work. Like there's a, this is a guy that we never have to ask. Like he's texting them during our conversation. I was like, you have time for one more question. He's like, let me just make sure Ian hasn't, ha- hasn't texted me. Cause when he wants to work, I have to be there. <laughs> so, cause he'll, he doesn't miss batting sessions. He doesn't miss that work. So that's, that's good to see. That's the type of guy you want in your clubhouse, right? You want someone setting the example and, and making sure that the, kids understand like this is how you you get to this level by putting in this work uh so that'll be that'll be really interesting to see i i it, it stood out to me and i just want i'm curious how they're going to treat that situation if he continues to play like this and it goes to next july oh i don't want to i don't want to listen to fans deal with that once again like that's that's going to be hard for fans it's going to be unfair for fans if if once again the cubs are in that situation and and they're and they're doing this all over again with a guy that seems to be reaching another level uh that's it for from us for now. Uh, sorry to leave it on a sour note. One, oh, one podcast at a time, Sonic. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we we can we can bitch about this next June. Uh, <laughs> I'm Sahadev Sharma. That's Patrick Mooney. You can read our work at the Athletic. We'll be back uh, next Monday. This is on to Waveland, the Athletics Cubs podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. <laughs>